Welcome to Faith of Our Fathers. Today's program is a special tribute to the artist and singer Steve Green. After two years in college, two years with the group Truth, and five years with the Gaithers, the door opened for Steve to make his first recording with Sparrow Records. Enjoy these intimate interviews between John DeBrine and Steve Green. Mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper, he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe does seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great, and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his equal. Did we in our own strength confide, our striving would be losing. Were not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. You ask who that may be, Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord, saw of his name, from age to age the same. And he must win the battle. Yeah, it started, uh, I memorized the hymn as part of a devotional time. And uh, I went to a church, it's actually a, it was a Methodist church, and I had my guitar on the platform and I and, uh, had a soundtrack that I was going to use. And as the service began to unfold, I realized that neither of my two options were going to fit into what they had. And so I just picked up the hymn book and thought, well, I've, I've, I've thought about this song, I'll just try it. So I got up and sang it the first time just on the spot, and, and it, the words came out powerfully. So it's been a favorite of mine since then. Let's relive those moments. You were introduced, and all of a sudden you started just singing without any accompaniment. Well, uh, I, I had so many comments afterwards that people said we'd heard the hymn, but we'd never heard the hymn. That's right. And the words, uh, I mean, there are a lot of sermons in, in that, him and it it packs a punch theologically since then some friends and I have written a musical based on that hymn taking the central themes and writing a song about each of those themes it's a mini musical and that was a real blessing to to do that background is missionary parents uh, how much do you remember from that were you on the mission field with your parents oh yeah I remember a lot I came back Right before my 18th birthday. So oh, wasn't... let's tell stories on the mission field. What was that like? Oh, it's what great. Mission field? It was Argentina. It has a, a real vast variety of, of people. But where we worked, way up in the northern part, was mostly indigenous people. Came down from Bolivia, uh, all different kinds of Indians. Indians called the Guarani Indians and Mataco Indians. And so uh, my fair skin and blonde hair uh, 
bit of a contrast. A bit of a contrast. I stood out, and so we learned what it was like to be a minority, really, to live in a town where we certainly looked different and everything about us was different, and yet saw the evidence of how God works in people's lives, breaking down those barriers. And I saw my parents loving people that really seemed, un, uh, from our background, impossible. Cultural barriers that were impossible to cross. So God uh, teaches us those things, and that was an important lesson from early on. And this had to have an impact, and the impact continues. Right. Well, it's a, it's a heritage right. that is what makes up each of us a conglomerate of our past experiences. And I, I wouldn't trade what the Lord has let me be a part of for anything. Now, what's that doing for you today musically? I think, from what I can deduce, there's, there was something in my parents' lives that was very different. It was a reverence, a respect, an awe and fear of God that took all the flippancy out of religion uh, there was joy, there was happiness, we had wonderful family times, but there was this underlying current of deep love for God. So what that means to me is this. It means that my father didn't go into the city and preach a sermon and then on the way home do something else. You know, hey, how about this joke? Mm. And I'll remember this one. And Boy, can you believe those people. There was a consistency in his life. And I think um, I have learned from that, and I want that to be also characteristic of, of my life. Uh, that is a consistency through and through, and that what, whatever is most vital, whatever is most vital to us and vital in us will come out. And so I know that the, the deep love of my, li of my life has to be the Lord, and that will come out somehow. Proverbs 4.11 is what you just said. Mm. I have taught thee in the way of wisdom. I have led thee in right paths. Mm. When you're introduced and you realize uh, you're on, what, what do you think about it? Well, the song, and you were referring to the song Lamb of Glory. Glory, yeah. Right. Uh, the reason I asked if I could sing that is because it has the gospel very clearly in the verses and uh, I know that you know the purpose of even Billy Graham being here is to clearly proclaim the message of Christ and I only have a small time frame that they've allowed me to sing and I want with every fiber of my being to communicate as clearly as possible that message and take my time segment and pack it with every every ounce of conviction uh, in me. And that's my goal, to communicate in my time the, the message of Christ also. But what just kept you from being spoiled? I mean, I wasn't aware of you, and I am with so many musicians. Mm -hmm. I say, man... What a musician, though. When you were singing, I said, what a message. Mm, I good. wasn't that mm. conscious of you. Well, I'm still on a pilgrimage, and I, I just pray that the Lord would discipline me and uh, keep me from becoming ineffective through self-deception self uh, and uh, self-flattery and all those other kind of selves. 
um, instead, I have to, first of all, as I mentioned earlier, have a fear of God and not a fear of people. Mm. And I cannot be a people pleaser. I cannot come up and, and be too impressed with people or, or, or attempt to try to please them or give them what they want. Instead, my, my sole obligation is to please the Lord. And in doing so, it will minister Christ to people. So that's my goal, is to uh, just obey in every circumstance, in every instance, my Lord. So an agent's not going to say, uh, do what you have to do to get the box. Well, I don't have an agent, and that's the reason. <laughs> it just doesn't work out. And there are, there are things that um, are beneficial for a career that are not beneficial in the eyes of the Lord, and to turn those down does not sit well with an agent. Uh, so that's that's that. The Lord knows best. Well, what was it like? Were you a normal teenager? Did you have your rebellion? By that I mean your mm -hmm. rebellious moments, or has it always been smooth sailing? I say it's been smooth sailing on the exterior, but underneath there was there were seeds of rebellion. Meaning, what I rejected and rebelled against was the level of commitment that I saw in my parents. Mm -hmm. I certainly felt a real need to be involved in some kind of ministry. That's, that's obvious from my past. But I didn't want the kind of ministry they had. Theirs was a frightening kind of ministry where you give all and... You, you sacrifice and you follow Christ and all those kinds of heavy things. And so I was really uh, fortunate to find something called gospel music where you could have your cake and eat it too and be in something mm -hmm. called a ministry and yet have license to uh, all of the indulgences of the flesh, popularity, applause, fame, money, uh, jewelry, <laughs> just <laughs> entertainment, and it's not that way always in gospel music, but it was a great escape for me. It was like my little boat, if I was Jonah, mm -hmm. uh, running away from something. And I'll tell you, the Lord uh, stopped me up short and uh, really confronted me using my older brother. And that was a turnaround point in my life two and a half years ago. And now, of course, I'm still inside of something that is termed gospel music and yet I know the dangers of all of that and I don't want to fool myself but instead I want to have the same dedication and I want God to do anything he wants to do in me and through me and uh, I have no closed doors. You are a refreshing contrast. There's something, how? How did that happen? You said your brother? Yes. Uh, the Lord had done a renewing in him and, and I'd always thought he'd was one of the best guys I'd met. He'd been through Bible, Bible school, been uh, through seminary, uh, didn't watch TV, you know, didn't listen to the radio. He was, I mean, as good as they came. And yet that's not God's measure of goodness. God measures the heart. And apparently there were uh, areas of his heart and life that were secret and hidden and only the Lord knew and kept him from being effective. And when that was dealt with, he turned into a powerhouse uh, of witnessing dynamo and uh, 
we met together in Phoenix for my sister's wedding. And during those three days I was there, he got on my nerves. Uh, I thought that normal was a little bit of God here, and then football here, and then uh, a little hobby over here, and then a little entertainment here. And that wasn't the way with, with him. It was, God is it. Christ Jesus is my Lord. And that's all he talked about. And I could take it for a couple of days, but by the third day, it just was a little bit disturbing. And I uh, did something that, I, that is uncharacteristic of, of my relationship with my brother. I exploded at him and told him to refrain from his uh, verbiage and excesses about the Lord. <laughs> and it was a tense moment I would think. In, my fam in the presence of my family. And he turned to me, and, and he was already crying, just tears of compassion and hurt. And he looked at me and he said, Stephen, you're not resisting me. You're resisting the Holy Spirit. And God wants to use you, but he cannot because you're disobedient. Well, I that just made me angrier, and I said something else at him and called him a liar or something. But uh, I'll tell you, the, the most awful feeling in the world is when someone corrects you in the Lord like that. And although I denied it intensely, his eyes just saw me. And I knew in an instant I had no defense. And I tried every tactic. I tried talking my way out of it, uh, changing the subject, taking a deep breath, shaking my head, you know, just get rid of this nightmare. And nothing would shake it. And I went to him afterwards, after a few minutes, and said, I'm really sorry about, you know, I don't know why I blew up like that. And kind of like, hey, let's just, let's, let's be buddies again. Let's, let's get rid of this stuff. And he looked at me again and said, Stephen, whatever it is, let God fix it. And that just, that, that was like sealing the, the top of the coffin. And I went to my room that night, and I couldn't sleep. I was a, I was a mess. So uh, that was the beginning. I, I just said, God, whatever has happened in my brother, I don't have. And he called me a phony, and I am. I mean, I, I have, my life is so compartmentalized that I don't know where you start and where you stop, and I don't even know if you're in there at all. But I want you, Lord. And I'm not going to say no to you anymore. And, of course, I said it quickly here. That took a lot of time on my knees. <laughs> yes, sir. So that was the beginning, two and a half years ago, of, of a real change in my life. And the Lord's not finished with me by any means, but I want to head that direction still. Great illustration of Philippians 1.6. Being confident of this very thing, that mm -hmm. he which be, hath begun a good work in you will. That's right. If he's there, he That's will. Right. If he's not there, he won't. Will perform it under the day of Jesus Christ. You've helped me understand something. You're different. I've heard them all, and interview most of them, and know about what to expect. Mm -hmm. And uh, you don't fit into that category. <laughs> now I understand when I hear you sing, and I caught it first before I met you, mm -hmm. and heard you sing. I said, uh, hear it to myself. He's different. And uh, your message comes through. And when you sing... Mm -hmm. Now, uh, Lamb of Glory, I'll try to remember, <laughs> or okay. <laughs> a mighty fortress. Uh, yes. Now I understand why the message. I understood mm. that the other night at uh, the convention center. Mm. You really didn't have to say much. In the mood to sing just a line of it. Mm. 
Don't expect me to sing it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you, you just give us a phrase of it to get us. Well, it, it says. I mean, it's a great way to conclude. Yeah. On the cross, God loved the world, while all the powers of hell were hurled. No one there could understand The one they saw was Christ the Lamb Precious Lamb of glory Love's most wondrous story Heart of God's redemption of man. opportunity of going to that stadium and covering the crusade, doing an hour and a half before each meeting. We've never done that before for each crusade. And uh, we almost didn't do it. There are a number of reasons we almost didn't do it. Almost the last minute I canceled. Almost. As I look back, it's the greatest experience I have ever had in the ministry. The people that tuned in to the pre-crusade broadcast and said, well, what is that? Why don't we go, you know, like you go to the the zoo, or, you know, it's just an event, let's, it's an event, let's go. And they came to the faith and wrote me, yeah. and we're now in the discipleship. Mm -hmm. The devil did everything under the sun to get me to say, no, I can't do it. And I'm, we have no point in making a list. I, my point is, I almost quenched the Holy Spirit. I said no to the will, almost. Mm -hmm. As I look back over the summer, it has to be the highlight of, I can't even count the years, I've been in the ministry, it has to be the highlight. Uh, number one, we said as we were on the air, if you came to the faith when Billy Graham was here in 1961, stop at the uh, dugout of Phillies, share your testimony, overwhelmed to see the number wow. of people. And uh, to see the impact of family in Pennsylvania, I just happened to hear the pre-crusade broadcast, didn't know the Lord said, let's go, that sounds interesting. Came to the faith, I saw now why the devil fought it like nothing else. Well, uh, actually, just yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like the present tense with you. <laughs> well, actually, yes. See, now, mine was probably, you know, more, much more carnal than your experience. <laughs> but uh, what the Lord had been speaking to me about was, was uh, wasting my time. And I wrote in my prayer, I keep a journal, and I wrote... This was the day before yesterday. I wrote, Lord, I, I know you're speaking to me about this. And you're speaking to me about uh, the fact that I can just sort of dribble my life away. And I don't watch a lot of television. I've gone for months without watching television, all that kind of stuff. I've been disciplined. But I just started watching a little bit more. And um, so I just thought the Lord was saying to me, redeem the time. Don't waste this time. It's okay to, you know, uh, enjoy something, a game here and there, whatever. But uh, I just felt like it was just real easy for me to vegetate and just kind of head that direction over a few days. And the Lord spoke to me, and and so I wrote in my in my prayer response to Him, Lord, I hear what you're saying. I feel like you're calling me 
to a higher level of responsibility and using my time in a way that will honor you. And, um, and the very next day, came into the room, and I had this tremendous urge to watch. Now, I didn't even have any idea what would be on, but I just wanted to watch. And, um, and uh, my, you know, my family had gone to bed in the hotel room, and I thought, well, you know, I'll just, maybe I'll just check and see what's on. You know, I'm, a, I'm still not quite sleepy yet. I'm awake. And, and I thought, no, you know, the Lord did speak to me about that. And I just had this intense battle. I don't know if you've experienced something quite like that, but just intense, like, should I, shouldn't I? Well, what's the harm? You know, I'm, it's not going to matter this time. And I felt like, you know, if I would have said, and I have other times, other times I've had the same struggle. And I just say, well, Holy Spirit, you know, not this time, I'll, I'll watch something. And, um, and I usually feel somewhat spiritually weakened and drained from that experience. And so that was yesterday. <laughs> and the Lord gave me grace to remember my prayer, and I could just see it written out in my handwriting, saying, Lord, I'm going to redeem the time, and if I don't start now, uh, then I'll be quenching the Spirit. I will serve the Lord. That song, what's, that's, a, that's a good one. What's, tell me about it. Oh, it's a great song. Um, I feel like I sing it by faith. It's way over my head. Um, Though my foe may slay me, I will serve the Lord. We read a great book this year. It's called uh, evidence not seen, and it was written by Darlene Dibler Rose, who was a missionary, the Second World War, prisoner of war, in fact, by the Japanese. And oh, I just sort of wept my way through that book and all that she experienced. It's just uh, really humbling to see the intimate walk with the Lord that she had. And then we rented the movie The Hiding Place and watched that again with Cory Ten Boom, and again. Went to bed that night thinking, Lord, what do I know about the fellowship of your sufferings? And uh, so I sing the song by faith, really, um, saying, Lord, uh, here I am making noise again, <laughs> singing these, these great big songs with huge words and testimonies, and I'm so little. God, have mercy on me, and somehow you know, enable me to live what I'm singing. Is that how you keep from boredom? Because I'm sure concerts you repeat, and there's a great danger of getting bored. I mean, it's natural. Is that what keeps you from it? I think a lot of what keeps me from it is fear. Fear of the Lord, fear of trifling with holy things, fear of uh, saying things that would dishonor God. Uh, and it's not, I'm not talking about a terror, I'm talking about an awesome respect for God. And uh, that keeps me from just wanting to mouth some words. I will serve the Lord. I will serve the Lord my God. And if God should choose, then my life I lose. First, Steve, I mean, you think back, what were among the first gospel songs or hymns that you ever sang in public? Can you think back or, well, as to 
you know, what were they? Mm, boy, now you're making me dredge up a lot of old memories here. Oh, when it, back when I was in, in high school, uh, I used to sing some with my older brother and my oldest sister. We'd do some trios together. And, um, you know, probably songs like There Is No Greater Love, uh, some of those old John W. Peterson <laughs> songs, and, uh, you know, Redemption Draweth Nigh. Um, uh, you know, I, I can't think of any more, but that and then uh, my family, um, we used to love to sing together. Uh, five kids and my two parents, and we'd be driving through only God knows where in South America. And um, uh, my, my dad would start a song, and uh, we all sang, all the, filled in all the parts, sang all the harmonies. And uh, we'd sing lots of, of, uh, of great hymns together and, and choruses. When were you first aware that this is a message that changes lives? I was eight years old. I was attending a boarding school, so I was away from home. And um, a, a, a pastor from Arizona had come down to do some special evangelistic crusades on the mission field. His name was Dick Mercado. And he came and spoke at the missionary school. And it was the first time that I remember ever having a deep sense of conviction and of my own personal need for forgiveness and for a savior. And so Sunday afternoon, we were supposed to be taking naps. And I got off my bed and knelt down by myself in my room and asked uh, Christ to forgive me and to uh, save me from my sin. When were you aware that God wanted to do something with you? He had something for you to do, a place for you to be. The first for Steve in that area. 16 years old, uh, driving down through South Central America, uh, somewhere in Guatemala. Um, my whole family, we were on our way back down to Argentina. I had a dream. And the dream was that God used me in this, in this dream and my older brother to evangelize the entire community that we lived in in South America. And in the dream, even the, the, the movie theaters were emptied out and used as for church services because there was not room enough to hold all the people. When I woke up, it was such a vivid dream. It seemed so possible because those are the kinds of things that God can do. And yet... Uh, all the next day I was in tremendous turmoil because I realized that God had possibly shown me something he had for me. And uh, I'm sorry to say that by the end of that day, I said a definite no to God. I was frightened by the po possibility, by the prospect of it. I was being tugged by another desire, and that was to completely get as far away as I could from missionary work and come back to the States. And I had a dream in, in my mind also to enroll in college as a pre-law student. I wanted to be a lawyer. I thought that's about as far as you can get from God. And uh, so I'm sorry to say that at that point, I said no to that call of God, but uh, thankfully he eventually got a hold of me. Meeting Mary Jean, knowing that she was the one. I've never heard that story. Well, we met in 1976. Uh, we were both part of a music group called Truth. And uh, um, it wasn't, didn't take too long, actually. Uh, we kind of hit it off and enjoyed each other's company. And, and uh, I'd say, oh, maybe about a, a half a year into the relationship, 
I started thinking, you know, this is someone that I would, I would enjoy spending my life with. And, uh, oh, two years later, we were married. Are you able to detach from the lyrics? Uh, how, how do they do that? I've been amazed to hear, I, um, you know, bowed on my knees and cried holy. And uh, the Midnight Cry, some of those great songs, and you realize these, these are all true. One day we're going to face God. Do they detach? How, how do you do it? Yeah, I think that, um, that one of the tragedies of our time is that uh, many singers are just brought up to be performers. Uh, they are affirmed and applauded because of how they say it, not the understanding apprehension of what they're saying. And um, it's such a performance orientation that um, the, the tragedy is that, that some singers could actually not even have a clue what they're singing about. They may have some emotional sense of, of um, you know, and, 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 and the audience, I believe, um, they confuse sensitivity and emotional response with truth. And so... Uh, if, if the song is emotional and the artist is, is singing it with some passion, then the people think, well, he must mean it, he must understand what he's singing. And if it makes the audience feel good, they think, well, there must be something going on here. But the proof is not in, in uh, uh, the performance of the song. The proof is in the uh, understanding of the truth and living out that truth. You think back to your first concert, when was it? And uh, we're just having a good time thinking of the firsts in the life mm -hmm. of Steve Green. Mm -hmm. First concert. Um, the first concert after God got a hold of me was at actually Liberty University. And uh, boy, everything was so, so fresh. God had just rescued me. He used my older brother to confront me. I'd gone through a time of, of deep repentance of bringing up things that I thought I would never ever tell anyone or bring up, of uh, going through days of, of tears and then times of extreme joy and gratitude to God for His mercy. And I uh, went off to Liberty University for a concert. And um, I had never ever talked in a concert. I mean, I had said things like, hi, how you doing? Good to see you. But I mean, I never said anything of any consequence. I had nothing to say. And now, I didn't plan on saying anything, but I thought I should just take a few moments and tell them some things that God had been doing in my heart. And I began to talk, and I looked out and I saw moist eyes and people wiping tears away. And I saw um, uh, people who were, who were actually professors and on the staff, that God was doing something in their hearts. And uh, it amazed me. And afterwards, my wife came to me and she said, who is this new man that I'm married to? She said, uh, as I was listening to you and watching you, I thought only God could do this. This is a completely transformed man. And she said, I'm thrilled at what God is doing. So I'll never forget that first concert. They won't either. How do you plan your concerts? Now you've been in New England and here you are, uh, the day of the concert. Uh, what, what do you think? What is Steve Green thinking about that day? Tonight I'm going to be in the auditorium in Worcester or the City Hall 
auditorium in Portland or in Bangor? What What do you think about? Uh, how do you prepare yourself for that night? I um, realize that um, I have to communicate out of my own personal life with the Lord. So my first preparation is a daily preparation, whether or not I have to be anywhere or do anything specific to share, whether or not I have a concert. And so my first preparation comes when no one's looking and the private part of my life. My second preparation is specifically asking God for direction on what to talk about. If I take a five to eight minute little devotional segment in the concert, uh, what could I address that would be beneficial to these people? And, um, and then uh, asking the Lord overall for a divine intersection, for something that could be explainable only by Him. And um, I have my computer that I take with me on the road. Uh, it's full of all kinds of programs that help me, Bible programs and study helps. And, um, and so I try to just um, stay in a process of studying and researching and reading and uh, try to have something fresh to, to talk about. What's the one song that you would sing if uh, I were speaking on the cross of Christ? Could you sing a line of it? What's the one that just comes right out to you, and this is the one to use. I would sing, um, Man of sorrows, what a name For the Son of God who came Ruined sinners to reclaim Hallelujah, what a Savior Guilty, vile, and helpless we Spotless Lamb of God was He Full atonement can it be Hallelujah, Hallelujah Worth the whole realm of nature mine That were a present far too small The You've been listening to Steve Green. Listen to Faith of Our Fathers every Sunday.